California is effectively back under lockdown tonight. Effective immediately. Rice takes about 20 minutes. You may find the following video disturbing. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. I've been thinking a lot this week about Psalm 130 because I feel like this is a year where a lot of us are waiting for things to change. And the truth is Christmas is all about waiting. Christmas is a time of year that is all about anticipation. Whether it's theologically, the Christmas story has always been preparing us to wait for Jesus to return or remember the people who are longing for light to break forth in their day. Or even practically, I feel like as a kid, December was the longest month of the year. You know, my family and I set up for Christmas this weekend. We always do it right after Thanksgiving. And yet, I can imagine if you're a kid in my household, December just can seem to drag on and on. Because if you're a kid, all you want is for Christmas morning to come. You want that time to arrive where you get to find out if the gifts that you asked for will be bestowed upon you. You get to see what's inside those boxes under that tree. And so I know when I was a kid, the last few days before Christmas were excruciatingly long. And we used to go to church um, mass at the Catholic Church on Christmas Eve, and I remember just being antsy all through those services, just waiting for it to get over so we can go to my aunt's house for dinner so that that could be over, so that we can go to home and go to bed and wake up early and rush downstairs. And it felt like the last 12 hours before Christmas morning was a time of longing and waiting and expectation and hope. Christmas is a season that is all about waiting. And this is a year that as the Christmas message intersects with the state of our world, we all know that we've been longing for things to change for a long, long time. On the one hand, March just seems like it was a few months ago. On the other hand, March and April and shelter in place and quarantine seems like a decade ago. It feels like we've been living in this season forever. And some of us can resonate with what the psalmist says. We, we wait for the Lord. We're longing for him. We, we pray that prayer of the scriptures. How long, O Lord, will you leave us in this condition? How long will it be before life gets normal again? But how long, God, will it be that I'll be schooling my kids at home? How long before I can go and see my friends? 
God, am I going to have to endure another holiday alone in my house, eating turkey by myself, Zooming Thanksgiving with my family? God, how long will I have to endure the suffering and hardship of this season? I feel like a few weeks ago, many of us had started to feel like the ice was beginning to thaw on the whole shelter in place and quarantine and COVID-19 thing. We're starting to get out more. We can go to restaurants and movies and see some friends and expand our social bubbles a bit. And then, I don't know about you, for, for a lot of us, there's this gut punch of going back to the purple tier and things shutting down. And now I'm standing here preaching to an empty auditorium today, and it feels like we've gone back in time and even reset the clock and we start to long again for things to go back to normal. And I've talked to a ton of people for whom 2020 has been a really hard year, personally. There's been explicit suffering in 2020. Maybe you've had job loss in 2020. Maybe you've had people pass away in your life in 2020. Maybe you've had not enough resources to make ends meet in 2020. Maybe you're isolated and alone and lonely in 2020. Maybe this has been a year that's felt like a decade and you just want this season to be over and you enter into the Christmas season longing for things to be different. As we start to look at the Christmas story today in Luke chapter 1, you can turn there if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, the question we're going to ask of the text is, what does the Christmas story have to say to those of us who wait? And the truth is, as we look at the times of Jesus' day, as we look at the Old Testament, New Testament narrative, we see that the people who received Jesus on Christmas were an expectantly waiting people. And so if today you are waiting for things to change, if you're waiting for God to show up, if you're waiting for a breakthrough in life, if you're just waiting for things to get better, the Christmas story is one that God has written for you. And so join me in Luke chapter one. We're gonna spend our time this whole Christmas season in the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter one. Today, we're just gonna do a little intro in verse five. Um, and so you can turn your Bibles there. We'll read that in a second. But I wanna teach you one Greek word before we dive into the text today. We'll put it on your screen if you're watching at home. The word is chronos. Chronos like chronology, not like the Greek god Kronos, not like the grandfather of Thanos from Avengers Kronos. Kronos, the Greek word, it means time, era, epic. There's a chronology to the events of the world. And when you read a chronological history of the world, you see certain broad strokes of things that have happened. World War II, World War I, Vietnam, right? The global pandemic of 2020. These are all eras in the history of the world. And as we look at Jesus stepping foot on our planet, today we're going to look at the chronos of Christmas. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5. We get three glimpses here into what the chronos of the first Christmas was. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. You get a glimpse into the context of this Christmas story that we'll be sitting in for the next four weeks, and you get to start to see that Luke is giving us some of the contextual clues to what the chronos of the first Christmas was like. We see that there was a political chronos. We get to hear about Herod, who was the king of Judea in that day. 
We get to see a little bit about the religious chronos, and we get to get a glimpse of the priestly system and Zechariah on duty going into the temple to make sacrifices, those kinds of things. We get to see a personal chronos here. Zechariah and Elizabeth have a backstory. They've been, uh, the Bible tells us they are old and well-advanced in years, and yet they're childless, and God has not answered their prayers, constant, continual prayers to bring a child into their family. And so these people experiencing the first Christmas, uh, we get a glimpse of the religious, the political, even the personal chronos of their life. They had a story that they were living in when God sent Jesus into it. Now, the truth is, when we look at the Christmas of 2020, we have a distinct chronos as well, right? History books someday, our kids, our grandkids will go to school, and they're going to learn about this year because a very lot of specific things happened this year. It's been a very specific political chronos. But if we were writing the history book of our time, we would say in the days of Trump's fourth year of presidency or in the fall before Biden's ascendancy to the throne in Washington, D.C., or in the time when people were fighting over election results, in the time that fraud was being thrown out uh, on social media all the time, at the time when the news stories were saying that Trump is lying about everything, in the time when people distrusted the media, in that chronos, the political chronos, here we are, it's Christmas 2020. It's a very specific political environment. We have a very specific religious environment here in these days. I read an article a couple weeks ago that said in the season that we live in, there's been a rise of secularism accompanied by a rise of deep, fervent religiosity. And a lot of those religious folks that are rising up today, it's connected to politics or it's connected to a fundamentalism or it's connected to them wanting to change the nation in some way. And so we have a very specific culture in our world of not only the politics, but of the religious climate today. It's a very specific religious chronos. And, and lastly, as we go into the end of 2020 here, a lot of us are, are experiencing very distinct and specific personal seasons. I've talked to a lot of people who this has been a really hard year. Like I mentioned before, I, I had a retreat a couple weeks ago where I got to spend some time with a bunch of pastors from around uh, kind of the West Coast states and we all got to share an update about what's been going on in our lives. And as guy after guy was telling their story of everything that happened in 2020, it became abundantly clear this has been a very difficult year personally for a lot of people. A lot of remarkable events, a lot of distasteful events, a lot of distressing events have happened to a lot of us in this season. And so as you enter into this Christmas, in a sense, we get a little bit of a glimpse of what was happening in the first Christmas, where there were a lot of very specific political, a lot of specific religious, and really specifically personal issues. The chronos of Christmas was really distinct. You know, whether it's the first century or today, I think that we can agree that the chronos of Christmas is a world that desperately needed a savior. But for those people, Zechariah and Elizabeth personally, for the Jewish people in those days, for the world in the first century, they desperately needed a savior. And today is a time that for you who are watching this service today, you desperately need a savior, right? Whether you are far from God and you need God to come to you and change your life, or you've been drifting in your faith, or the problems of this world have been so deep and grave for you that you are just crying out, God, come and save me, save us, save our broken land. The Kronos of Christmas is a world that desperately needs a savior. And that's why it's beautiful that the message of Christmas 
is the Savior has come. I love how Isaiah puts it in his uh, forecasting prophecy of the first century. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now we are living in a time that's very difficult in the history of our world. And yet the message of Christmas is a reminder that when the world desperately needed saving, God came to save them. If you're a Christian or you've been walking with God for an amount of time, chances are that you've had times in your life where you've gotten to see God show up just when he need, you needed him. You've had answers to prayers that were unmistakable. You've had times in your life where things were difficult and you called out to the Lord and he heard you. There were seasons where things were hard and you needed deliverance and God showed up at the perfect time. And if you've experienced that, you know that in your head, that God is gonna come and save us when we need him, that 2020 is not gonna last forever, that this pandemic is not going to abide eternally, that the issues that you face will not be faced forever because our God is a God who does not fail, who always shows up, who always delivers his people. But the hard thing is, if you're in a time right now that is difficult, a lot of times we get amnesia to the things that God has done in the past. I think that's why it's healthy that in the calendar of the church, every year we have a season called Advent where we remember that God came for us, we remember that he's coming back for us, and we get to temper our minds around the concept that God is a God who rescues his people. He will come for those of us who call out on his name. He will come for you. He will come for me. He will come for the world in the same way that he came 2,000 years ago and enter into the world in the person of Jesus. You know, a lot of times a message like this can, can give us hope because we do know that God does save his people. But on the other hand, in a season like this, it's hard to have hope. It's hard to have a Christmassy Christmas when it feels like the world is on fire around us. It's, it's been one of the tensions of this series even as we've designed this sermon series. We've realized that Christmas is about joy and hope and light but it's difficult when the world just feels like lack of hope and darkness and sadness and cold and it doesn't feel warm. It doesn't feel the same as other years. And yet we know the message is the same. God will come and rescue us. And we know that God will come eventually. We know that he won't let us wait out in the cold forever. We know that even though we feel like kids that our mom forgot to pick up from school, someday she's gonna come and get us, right? Someday God's gonna come and pick us up and it's gonna be, it's gonna be fine. But the question for a lot of us right now, I know for me in this season, is God, how long will we have to wait? How much longer will we have to wait for you to come for us? Whether it's you come and redeem this place, God, or it's you come and fix the situations in our lives, how long will this season last? God, it's, we know that you will, but when? When are you coming? What's your timing? Why have you waited so long? There's a chance that you're sitting there today and you're just sick of this. You're sick of this season. You're sick of the environment you're in. You're sick of the regulations. You're sick of being stuck at home. You're sick of not being able to do anything. You're sick of being lonely. You're sick of all of this junk. And you pray and you pray and you ask God to come and bring salvation to you in a sense. But it feels like he's not listening. You feel like the Zechariah and Elizabeth in the story that we'll talk about the next couple weeks who just waited and waited and waited and waited. And your prayer is, God, how long will I wait for mourning? How long will this night last? 
How long will the darkness abide? You know, if that's you, I want to tell you there's another Christmas verse that I want to share with you today, and it's about the chronos of Christmas. It's found in Galatians uh, chapter 4, verse Four, and it uses the word chronos and, and tells us really the distinct kind of overarching view of what the chronos of Christmas was. It says that when the time had fully come, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Now, two things I notice in this verse. Number one, that this word chronos, the set time, right? This is the chronos of Christmas. When God decided to send his son, he sent his son. But there's another phrase in here. It says when the set time had fully you know, the Greek word that's translated fully come here is a word that, that means to fill something up, to be ready to embark, right? A, a lot of times this phrase was used to talk about ships that were ready to set sail, right? The ship did not set sail until the cargo was on board, until the captain was on board, until the sailors were on board, until the crew was on board. Once the ship was fully full, once its time had fully come, then the ship would set sail. And Paul's trying to draw our attention in the book of Galatians to say that the, the time that the reason that God waited so long to send his son was that the time was fully right when Jesus came. God did not send Jesus too early. God did not send Jesus too late. The people didn't wait longer than they needed to. When everything was ready, when all the forces converged, when the political time was right, when the religious time was right, when people's personal times were right and the characters of the Christmas story, when the time had fully come, that's when God chose to send his son Jesus into the world. The truth is, whether you lived 2,000 years ago or you live today, we can hold on to the fact that God will bring relief when the time is right. Are you been hoping for God to come and bring rescue to you? He will bring rescue in his time. If you're waiting for this pandemic to end, join the club. We're all waiting for the pandemic to end. And as Christians, we trust that God will bring this to a completion in his time. Not too early, not too late. And it is good that we pray for relief now, right? Don't stop praying that God brings relief to our world. He works through our prayers. But at the same time, we know we trust deep inside that the history, the chronology of the world is in the hands of God. And he is moving forward the tides of history in his perfect timing. Now that's true whether you're waiting for Jesus to come in the first century or you're waiting for relief in your job or you're waiting for relief from coronavirus or you're waiting for test results or whatever it is, God, God will bring relief in his perfect time. So as we start this series on Christmas, this is kind of the state of our union, right? Take it or leave it. This is where we are as human beings. We live in a broken world waiting for a God we know is coming at the perfect time. That's us today. We live in a broken world waiting for a God that we know is coming at his perfect time. And so I wanted to close our time today just giving you a couple verses that you can hold on to if you're struggling with something specific in the midst of this season. Right, for example, some of you are struggling today because you're ready to give up, right? You're sick of this COVID stuff. You just are sick of staying at home. You just feel like you're ready to be done. If God's got a lesson for you, you've learned it. You want to move on with your life. I want to encourage you from the book of James, if you're ready to give up, this is what James says to those of us who are enduring trials. He says this, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let it finish its work. Right, if God is allowing you to be in your trial still, 
It's because he still has work he wants to do in you or through you through this trial. So let endurance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, so that nothing will be wasted from the trial that God has allowed into your life. If that's you, write down James 1.4 and study that this week. Maybe you're someone in a season of suffering and you're asking God for some perspective because the suffering you're going through is very difficult. Let me give you Colossians chapter one, verse 24. This is Paul's perspective on suffering. We'll unpack it a little bit. He says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, this verse does not mean that Christ did not suffer enough on the cross for us. What this verse means is that in the mind of the Apostle Paul, after the suffering and resurrection of Jesus, there was more suffering that needed to happen in this world before the completion of time. Before Jesus could come back, more suffering had to happen. And Paul says, you know what? When I'm suffering... I rejoice that in that season, I get to be a part of continuing this legacy of suffering and adding to the suffering of Christ in a beautiful way, right? It's true that if you are suffering, you look like Jesus. If you are someone who's in a season of suffering, folks can see Christ in you because he suffered for us. Suffering is something that God uses in remarkable ways. And so if you are suffering today and you just wanna throw in the towel Take a look at Colossians 1 and ask God to give you the perspective of the Apostle Paul in regards to suffering. Or maybe you're sitting today and you're just kind of getting a little irritated because you feel like the hand of God has been heavy on the world for a long, long time. Right? Maybe it just feels like it's one judgment after another. God brings this plague, that plague, this plague, that plague, and you're wondering, God, what have we done that you keep bringing judgment on the world in this way? If that's you, I want to give you Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans 1 tells us that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The hard truth, if you read all of Romans 1, is that God tells us that when the world or even a community or a culture turns their back on the God of the Bible, he brings judgment on them as a result of their sins to get their attention, to show them the end is near, to help them see their need for a savior, all of these different reasons. And so if you are experiencing judgment in this world at the hand of God, it's because the world is falling apart. People are turning from him. People have walked away from his ways. People have forfeited their faith. People have turned their back on Jesus. And so suffering is something that God allows in our world for all those different reasons. And so pray this week. If you're sick of the judgment of God, pray that people would turn to him in repentance. Pray maybe for yourself. Maybe you need to turn to God in repentance. If you're realizing, I'm living under the judgment of God and I want it to stop, turn to Jesus. Let him take your sin away. Let him heal you. Pray that he would heal our broken land. Being Christians does not mean that we are people who are immune (laughs) from hardship, immune from suffering, immune from the distresses or discouragement in the world. We still live in the same world as everyone else. When the world is being judged, we're judged with it. We are both here together. But I love how the New Testament authors give us a perspective of how we as Christians can stand up under suffering and hardship and disease in this world and be different. I think a lot of the words of the Apostle Paul, when he talks about mourning with death in this world, he says, Christians mourn, but we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We mourn differently because because we know Jesus. Now, wherever you are today, I want to leave you with a verse from Philippians where Paul reminds us that our citizenship, if you're a Christian, our citizenship 
is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's Philippians 3.20. We eagerly await a savior from heaven where our citizenship lies. If you're living here in the US or you're living somewhere around the world, you're experiencing this global pandemic and life is hard and you're discouraged, the message of Christmas is that light is coming, that hope is dawning. And yet a big part of the Christmas message is that hope comes to those who wait. Waiting is part of the gospel. Waiting was part of Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. Waiting is part of our story. Waiting is part of the story of the world. And so as you wait this year, wait expectantly. You know that God is coming for you, so wait for him with anticipation, with fervency in prayer. Pray that he returns. Pray that he comes. Pray that he heals our land. Pray that he heals your life. But as you wait, remember that the God that you serve is a God who always shows up at the perfect time, and he'll show up again for us after this suffering and struggling is over. I want to pray for us as we move back into music. And if you're someone who's going through something hard, I want to pray for you specifically. You're welcome to jump in the chat and get some prayer today or reach out to one of our prayer phone call lines or anything like that. We would love to pray with you. But let me lift up a prayer for all of us as we move into our worship time today. Let's pray.